Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yo, what's going on, Fantasy Football family? We are back for another episode of Off the Line Fantasy Football Podcast, episode 32. 32. You know, it's your boy, Eugene. You can find me on Twitter at Fantasy Genes. That's G-E-N-E-S. You can also follow our official Twitter handle at Off the Line FF. And as always, I am joined by my other host, Ike. How you doing? How you feeling? I'm good, man. Feel good. Feel good. Um, I can be found on Twitter at just underscore Ike09. And going on vacation tomorrow. So it's going to be uh, it's gonna be fun. We're going to be off, off a week going to Europe. Won't 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 uh won't divulge any more detail beyond that. You, you guys will just have to see. But yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good time. But yeah, I'm just just excited to talk ball. And this is a very very special episode. But Gene, I'm gonna let you take it away because you have a very special introduction to make. Yeah, yeah, man. You know, like you said, we have a is a, a special episode because today we got a guest. We had to run it back for when we hopped on his show uh, in the fall. It's our boy Matt Coom. Hopefully I said that last name right uh, with Coon Jones. He's uh, also a part of the Couch Sports Guys uh, Sports Network. I know he does a lot of baseball and and football, uh, you know, uh, uh, pieces and, you know, a lot of Twitter, a lot of analytics that he spills out, especially for for baseball, as I don't follow it as much. So when you start seeing the – the win replacement rate and all these other acronyms, new acronyms for baseball. I don't get it, but I know it's, it's a cool number. So again, uh, Matt, we appreciate you coming on to the show, you know, kind of shout out what, what you got going on and um, that you got going on in terms of fantasy. What's going on, fellas. First of all, super excited to be on. I love you guys. The show off the line is pretty dope. Uh, you know, uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Matty Kiwu. I uh, do a little show called Cuban Jones. We did a little home and home face off here. Now that I'm on your guys' turf, see what this is all about. I'm ready to talk football <laughs> and uh, I'm pretty excited. Yeah, man. Um, before we get into that, let's talk about, uh, you know, the most pressing news, that most recent news is, you know, Terry McLaurin. He got he got locked down. The Washington decided to put a ring on it. They gave him a, <laughs> a three year extension for thirty one million. 28 guaranteed at sign. 71. Yeah, 71 million, 28 guaranteed at sign in. And I think overall it was a 56 million guaranteed over the span. Yeah, it was in the 50s. Yeah, yeah a lot of money. He got, yeah, he got, a lot he got of money. Guapped. He got guapped up. Yeah. 
yeah. a lot of money. Uh, what is what's y'all's take in terms of fantasy? You know, just overall, what's y'all feeling about Terry and his deal? I'm gonna, the, I'm gonna let the guests go first. Go ahead, Matt. I'm excited for him. He deserved to get paid. Uh, he's put in a ton of work for the the Commanders. I mean, basically, he's just been their YOLO ball guy. They toss him. He always is amongst the top in the league in contested catches. He saw the second most air yard share amongst qualified wide receivers last year. Um, but it doesn't necessarily change my opinion. I'm in redraft. I've, I'm getting pretty excited about Johan Dotson. And hmm. if Wentz is a guy you're going to believe in, then you can go kind of draft both or either. Uh, but if you think Wentz is going to Wentz, which I kind of think we might all do, you got to kind of have to pick one. And I'm unsure of who is going to be the one. They both got the skills. I mean, McLaurin's blazing fast. Johan Dotson has been in super impressive so far. We'll see how it pans out. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm ready to bet on Carson Wentz, fellas. Yeah, I wasn't expecting you to pivot towards Jah- Jahan Dotson. That was a that was a little bit of a curveball for us. Yeah, it was. Yeah, but, uh, I'm getting impressed <laughs> by him. I'm just getting impressed by him. Okay, uh, you know Terry McLaurin. Yeah, again, but I think what you said from the outset it doesn't really change much for me. I'm just glad Washington committed to him because Terry McLaurin is awesome. He proves that he's awesome each each year, and you know he is the you know the undisputed number one alpha in that in that offense in that passing offense and. You know, say what you want about Carson Wentz. He he can throw the deep ball, and Terry McLaurin can definitely track the deep ball. And I, I think those two can can have some spike weeks um, in the 2022 season. But, you know, uh, right now, you know, McLaurin's going around the range of DJ Moore, DK Metcalf, and T. Higgins, and Deontay Johnson. So I think that's an appropriate range for him. Um, out of those guys, like, who would you take? Who, who would... Who, who would you take over McLaurin or would you take McLaurin over any of those guys in that range of T Higgins, Deontay Johnson, DJ Moore, DK Metcalf? What do you think, Gene? Cause I got to think for a second here. Cause you threw out a certain name that, you know, I'm fond of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure did. That was very intentional, by the way. Very intentional. Um, I am taking, I'm, I'm taking T Higgins over McLaurin. Uh, just because I trust our offense a little bit more, even though we know that Terry McLaurin is the number one. Um, uh, I, I'm, I don't think I can take DJ Moore over him because his quarterback situation is so trash. Deontay under McLaurin. Metcalf probably under McLaurin. Yeah, the only one I would really feel comfortable taking over McLaurin is probably T. Higgins, honestly. Um, and just to go back to Matt's point about uh, Carson Wentz, I mean, throughout his career, he's never supported more than one one wide receiver to be over a thousand yards. So, even though you do like Jahan Dotson, there's been a lot of good reports of him um, in you know in mini camp or whatnot. Uh, if I have to put my money on somebody, I'm putting on McLaurin in terms of you know being their leading wide receiver, and anybody else under him is probably not going to see over a thousand yards. Uh, well, you you just kind of rain on my parade. We're five minutes in, Gene, and you're already gonna send me home sour. Okay, I think I got my order though. I think I, I think I'm with you. I'm taking T. I think that offense is special. Whether he's a wide receiver one or two, the Joe Burrow at the helm. I, I'm all about T. Higgins. Uh, contractually, I'm obligated to put DJ Moore ahead of Terry McLaurin because if push came to shove in right. any draft room, and they were and I was decided between the two. It's gonna. I, I mean, I can't hit the smash button fast enough. So I'll go DJ Moore. Uh, I think I'm still ready to go DK. 
something tell my gut is telling me that DK has a a good season in him this year if he can stay healthy. Um, I love Johnson as a player, but I'm not going to put Johnson ahead uh, of McLaurin because one, McLaurin got paid, so they're comfortable with him on the roster. Whereas you know, uh, Johnson is kind of playing for some some money this offseason, and his quarterback situation. I mean, would I rather be locked into Wentz or have a QB battle between Trubisky and Pickett for mm. fantasy for my wide receiver? I I think smelly. I may. Smelly. Yeah, it's tough. So, I think I would take McLaurin for sure over uh, Johnson. Did I get all the guys? Yeah, uh, yeah, you got, you, got, you got them all. Yeah, uh, you we, we obviously agree on DJ Moore. I would take DJ Moore over over McLaurin for obvious reasons because uh, he's just fucking awesome. He's uh, <laughs> T, T T Higgins. Uh, I don't know because he's he's not the alpha in the offense, but the offense is better, right? The offense is better. Joe Burrow's better. It, it's a, it's a, it's just a better overall passing environment, and hopefully that you know Cincinnati this upcoming season can just dial up more pass attempts because the early part of the season I think they were you know ha- they had the training wheels on just a little bit. Um, they weren't passing the ball as much. They were more run heavy in neutral situations. But towards the end of the season and in, into the playoffs, it became more pass heavy. So let's hope that trend can continue at least. And then you know maybe I can look. To you know, maybe potentially take T. Higgins over to, to uh, Terry McLaurin, and then uh, Metcalf. I don't trust the quarterback situation. I know he's really he's super talented. He doesn't. He's also playing for money. He doesn't have mm-hmm. any. Um, he doesn't have a contract extension yet. And there may be some speculation that he could get traded or he could hold out or whatever the case is. I don't know, but I I, I just don't trust Seattle right now. Don't trust anything that has to do with Pete Carroll or any or any of that offensive philosophy from team establishment. <laughs> So I think King established it. <laughs> I would take McLaurin yeah. over Metcalf. McLaurin and Deontay, that's probably a push for me because Deontay is he gets open at every area area of the field. Doesn't matter who's throwing him the ball. You can talk about his low A dot all you want. You can talk about his 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 you know his quarterback issues, but the reason why he gets a lot of targets is because he's always open. So I I, I like him from that standpoint and I think Terry McLaurin and him, you know, I think it'll just eventually just wash. So I would probably just take McLaurin over 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 Metcalf. Okay, okay, that's fair. All right, but you know, let's get to the meat of the show. While we're here, we're here to talk about AFC East teams and their outlooks for the you know this coming new uh, new season. We brought Matt on because he's a Patriots fan, so we, you know it just mm-hmm. made sense to, to bring him on. And you know, when we get to the Patriots, we'll see see how much of a homer he really is. So, <laughs> 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 to our first team that we're going to discuss is the Miami Dolphins. Uh, per PFF, they had their offensive rating at twenty seventh last year, Ugh. Um, yep. which is why which led them to making moves this past off season. Well, just. You know, a couple months ago, first off, they hired Mike McDaniel, uh, the now head coach of the Dolphins, who was the OC at San Francisco, but he didn't call plays there. So, uh, but McDaniel did come out and already said that he was going to be calling plays. So, we'll see how that works out for them. Um, they also traded a buttload for Tyreek Hill, you know, to get that offense all unlocked. Five draft all- picks. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot. <laughs> yeah, they also picked, yeah, they uh, also picked up. Chase Edmonds on the two-year deal, Sonny Michelle on a one-year deal, I think Mostert on a one-year deal, and they also re-signed their fullback for a two-year deal. So, you know, you, you sign all these running backs and fullbacks, it sounds like 
they're bringing uh, San Francisco ph philosophy to the to the uh, to the shores of uh, Miami. So uh, that should be interesting on top of on, which should be interesting because on top of that, they also signed Cedric Wilson to a three year, twenty two million dollar deal. So uh, I still don't understand that signing or that fit for him. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see. Yeah. And then on top of that, they also traded away Devonte Parker uh, to Maddie's favorite team, the, the Patriots. So. Which leads us to our first question: Was can Tuya can Tuya support Waddle <laughs> and Tyreek? I said Tuya. <laughs> can Tua support Waddle and Tyreek to be top twelve wide receivers because that's where in their range of in terms of where they're being drafted and then how they finished last year? They were both top twelve wide receivers uh, this past season. So, Matt, go ahead. We'll get go ahead and get the guests to start it off. What do you think? I don't believe so. I really don't. Uh, for a couple reasons. First of all, Miami invested in running backs. Their head coach has been successful with the run game. He was uh, he he was part of the run game uh, that was fourth in rush DVOA last year, and before he was the offensive coordinator, he was the running game coordinator, which is just his bread and butter. Uh, and between the fact that the two wide receivers are very good and they they will probably kind of eat at each other's production, the backs Gasecki in that Cedric Wilson signing you mentioned. You wrap all that together, and I just don't see how both of them can, can crack that top 12. I think it, you'll see them both kind of be in the wide receiver two range, or one will ascend to one, but one falls to the low end wide receiver two, because I just don't know if the offense in year one is going to operate at such a high pace. Yeah, uh, I tend to agree. It's just really hard for a quarterback to to support two top 12 wide receivers, uh, unless you're unless you're you have Jamar Chase and T. Higgins on your team. Then maybe it's possible, but <laughs> um, you know their their offseason moves they signal intent. They sign all these running backs. Hell, they resigned a fullback, right? And you know, in San, if you go back to his time, you know, uh, McDaniel's time in San Francisco, they they definitely deployed the fullback uh, a lot more than any other team in the league uh, for mm. the run game. So they're going to be running a lot of you know potentially run a lot of twenty one personnel, which, which they're going to have a fullback on the field, but they're going to have just two wide receivers on the field. So Tyreek Hill and, and Jalen Waddle will be on the field. And, they, and, they, may, and they may benefit in, in spots, especially when it comes to play action. And um, they could have with some, some, some RPO action as well. But outside of that, I don't, I don't know if there's going to be enough pass volume to support these guys unless they're just super efficient with, with their receptions. With any time they catch the ball, they take it to the house. That's the only way that I can see them see Tua supporting two top 12 wide receivers. But – um, yeah, that's 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 just kind of how I'm how I'm looking at it right now because everything that they've done this offseason outside of trade five picks for Tyreek Hill signals that they're going to be committing to the run. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with both of y'all. It I don't know, it's just odd, odd process for you to spend that type of draft capital and money on a wide receiver. You spent what a top eight pick on a wide receiver last year, and then you bring in a coach who came from a run system and he brings in like every five, eight, 190 pound back that you can think of. <laughs> he brings them all to, to South beach. And then you resign your fullback to like, it wasn't little money. This is big money for, for a fullback on top of that. I feel like so, he's getting paid the most money out of all those backs. Isn't he? Yeah. 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 That's, that's the other thing. Like he's getting paid a lot of money. So it just, it's on his weird process. And then his first is the first year, new court, new offensive, offense new new head coach like I, I just can't see this offense just being 
off the ground just being very super efficient. I just feel like they're going to try to establish it a little bit. So, um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Maybe maybe Tua will, you know, turn our heads a little bit and, and surprise us. Which talks, which leads us into you know the key fantasy players for the Dolphins. First person is Tua. He's going back. He's going right now QB seventeen, which is one hundred seventeenth overall, which was around the back of the tenth round. Um, he last year he finished as QB twenty one in scoring. Uh, last year this offense was twenty third in pace, twenty seventh in pass attempts, twenty seventh in pass yards, thirtieth in air yards, twenty third in yards per attempt. 31st in air yards per attempt. So just just judging off of last year and then what we just predict from what Mike McDaniel might do this year just sounds like they're going to be kind of slow. Uh, I can't imagine them, you know, challenging a lot of teams with the deep ball, even though they got they they got the speed to do it. Uh, it'd just be interesting to see how they how they do things. But uh, one good thing about McDaniel and this pot- potential philosophy is that. Uh, Tua was number one in deep ball completion last year, and he was fourth in play action completion. You know, uh, the Shanahan system, you know, play action is like a staple. Like, you, you're going to see some play action. So uh, this is one good thing that, that Tua is good at that, that we're projecting that they're going to be bringing into this offense that should lead to some, some good outcomes. So what do you all think about Tua and his, uh, his outcome for this potential season? Yeah, no, yeah, it's like you, like you were about to say. I think I think it's pretty accurate. I think he's more accurate than a lot of people are giving him credit for. And I think this this particular offense could help him out immensely. Number one, having Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, two 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 guys that can get a lot of yak, two guys that are just they can take the top off of defense. I know you know Jalen Waddle wasn't used that way last year, but it, those of us that with, with eyes can see that he is he is a speed demon and he can get down the field in a blur. Right. And yeah. obviously Tyreek Hill is one of the best deep threats that we've ever seen in this league. So if they use a lot of concepts similar to like the RPOs and similar to how he played in Alabama, where he was, you know, kind of taking some, you know, play action deep shots, and we've seen Tua be accurate with the deep ball, I think Tua can have a lot of success um in this offense. But uh, again, it goes back to my my other point. Hopefully, you know, we can see more pass, you know, we can we can see more pass volume past volume even though a lot of the moves signal that they're going to be running the ball a lot more um but you know that that's that's my only thing is just more pass volume and more opportunities for two of the throw down the field because when he when he's able to throw the ball down the field he does pretty well so yeah yeah i don't have too much to piggyback on i i would say it's probably not an a popular comparison but i think it's a fair one was jimmy g in 2021 uh, he was 16 points a game. That's 15th most on a points per game basis. Uh, and it's because when you have guys like Debo Samuel housing 70-yard screens, it's going to boost your fantasy points. Well, Tua's got that in his range of outcomes too because he has two super dangerous wide receivers amongst everything else we talked about. So I think you know a top 15 is possible, but I think it's time to temper your expectations because of everything we've said about the head coach and the quarterback. Yeah, yeah, uh, I agree with both what both of y'all are saying. Just overall, in terms of redraft purposes, he'll be a bye week fill in. I can't, I wouldn't be drafting him to be your your QB one. Uh, otherwise, you you're you're doing it wrong for sure. So um, unless you unless you go very 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 late, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah, you pick him with your very last pick. 
But yeah, that's true. And some of these teams are taking two quarterbacks, so yeah. which would be also bad process. <laughs> <I'm not sure>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on to the running backs. Um, I mean, the only one really of note is the one they spent money on this uh, offseason, which would be Chase Edmonds. Right that's now, not he's the going fullback. to. Our- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 not a fullback. Um, RB 36 right now. He's going basically the beginning of the 10th round. Uh, I think that's a pretty good ADP uh, landing spot for him. Uh, most likely to lead the backfield, like I said before. Um, 13% target share last year, which was seventh for running backs. He was ninth in yards per route ran. He was seventh in yards per, per touch, 12th in juke rate. I mean, when you get him the ball, good things happen. It's just the the fact that he's small. He's generally he's hurt. Like it'd be Knicks and Axe, he'll miss games here and there, but he's hurt a lot. So which would make sense why they signed a bunch of backs, because I don't think they'll be depending on him for for a full workload, as we saw this past year with Arizona, that he couldn't handle that. Um, so uh, I don't think any of the other running backs in this committee are worth worth mentioning unless unless Edmonds gets hurt because all, a lot of these other running backs are being running back 30s, 60s. And, I mean, you're not really drafting those. You can pick those up for free on waiver wire. So uh, either one of y'all got anything to add to that? Yeah, Edmonds is good in the pass game. So, man, I'm definitely in at his ADP. Uh, in the 10th round, it gives you a chance to go after the wide receivers we talked about a few minutes ago. Other guys like Rashad Bateman, IU, Traylon Burks, if you want to go that route, Darnell Mooney, you can really build a good roster there and get Edmonds in the 10th as you're running, running back three or running back two even in, in like a shallower league. So I, I'm in at, the, at his 10th uh, round ADP. Yeah, and he's one of the cheaper starting running backs for sure, like, 10th round that going that late and he's going to be leading the backfield and you know last year 15 percent of his runs went for 10 or more yards and that was the fourth high, fourth highest rate in the league so he so that that run those, those run concepts can could definitely work for chase Edmonds and yeah um, I, I think that's a part of the reason why they signed him not only because he's good in the passing game but that he can actually you know rip off some explosive plays and you know he's he was 11 the breakaway run rate and seventh in yards per touch so he can, he can he can definitely you know get down the field and he can he can make some things happen with the ball in his hands. Um, yep. To your point, though, Gene, he just had, he just has to stay healthy. He did miss four games last year with that high ankle sprain or the ankle sprain, but he was off to a pretty good start. He, you know, he I know he had some bad touchdown luck early in the season, but before he got hurt, he was an RB one with all his volume and all his touches. He was an RB one. Yeah. He was he was a top twelve running back. So if he could just you know stay healthy for a full season, he I think he can uh, lead the backfield and, and be and finish you know finish at least as an RB two. Yeah, yeah. Quick question then, just a side note, for this backfield, who do you think is going to be the goal line back? Because last year when we saw Edmonds, he never was the goal. He wasn't the goal line back. It was always Connor that 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 took those touchdowns from him. So who do you think in this in this backfield would be the goal line back? That's a tough one. The fullback, the fullback you were talking about. Let's go there. <laughs> I mean, Kyle Uschek's brother, whatever, whoever, whoever it is. Yeah, it's it's probably going to be. I mean. Out of out of Mostert, I mean Mostert followed followed McDaniel from San Francisco, so I think either Mostert or 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 Sony Michelle, one of those one of those two guys probably get goal, goal line touches. Um, but yeah, I, you, I, I, yeah. I I wouldn't be able to call it, but I know it would be between those two. But I couldn't really just put my finger on one specifically. Yeah. I know Miles and Gaskin and, and Salvin Ahmed, they're they're pretty much dust at this point. I don't know how they're going to factor in. I don't even know if they're going to make the roster. Um, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But I do think it's out of those two, Mostert and, and Michelle. I just can't call it right now. 
honestly. Yeah, it, and it's weird because those two backs were also pr- pretty de- – they were decent last year too. So it's just – like you just got a whole like – you get, literally have five running backs are all 5'8", 5'9", 190, 200 pounds. It's is is crazy. <laughs> yeah, you got you got a bunch of some, they're, they're, yeah, they're the same they're the same size. <laughs> yeah. All the same size. Miles Gaskins five nine two oh five, Sage Evans five nine two two fifteen. Yeah. It's, it's, all, it's the, the Spider Man meme where everybody's pointing <laughs> at each other. Yeah. No, they're building yeah, a race car I, down in Miami, but let's see if that uh the engine is worth anything in Tua. Yeah. I, I, but you, you did say Miles Gaskin was decent last year. Uh, I, the, the numbers say otherwise. Yards per touch, he oh. was 52nd. Juke rate, 50th. Evade tackles, oh, 43rd. Man. Yards created per touch, 45th. Yards created, 36th. He was not very good last year. Um, and I think well. there was this one game in 2021 where he just had, I think he had negative one point or something like that. And he played, I think he played a lot of snaps and he just didn't score any points. I have to you go know, back. I have to go back. I think I, I think I boosted that because the the reason why I keep thinking he was good is because that one game where he uh, played the uh, the Buccaneers. Oh and yeah, he was like he only he had, had like receptions. Yeah, yeah, he only had like like I think he had like maybe fifteen total touches, but he was killing them on in the uh, receiving receiving the ball from the backfield. So, but yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, he was terrible <laughs> overall. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> All right, on to the pass catchers. There's three pass catchers I think they'll be key for this team. First one, Tyreek Hill. We've already talked about. You know, it goes without saying. The most most dangerous weapon in the, in, in the NFL, in my opinion. Yep. Uh, once you get the ball in his hands, um, ADP is wide receiver six, 19th overall. So basically, mid of the second round. Last year, he was sixth in fantasy points per game. He was third in air yards, seventh in targets, sixth in target rate. Sixth in red zone targets, ninth in deep targets, third in reception, sixth in receiving yards. I mean, dude was a, I mean, he was a monster with Mahomes. Is definitely going to be in question with how he operates in this offense uh, for sure. Uh, I think the ADP is is fair for him. Um, we're expecting him to, you know, at least get the the workload that we saw Waddle get last year. Because I mean, we saw Waddle; he was what top ten in. Top 10 in targets. Yeah, right at 10. So we're assuming that – I can assume that Tyreek is going to probably see 140, 150 targets easily um, just based on the money that they paid him and the work that he's done so far in the league. So um, anybody got anything to add to that? <laughs> they better pepper him with targets. The way he was bad-mouthing Mahomes after he <laughs> left Kansas City, Man. if he's feeling slighted, I think you're going to hear him hear how displeased he can get. It was pretty confusing to me how he just – well, I mean, honestly, I think he was just trying to curry favor with his new team by saying, Maybe. oh, you know, Tua, Tua is more accurate than Mahomes. I don't even think he believed that. <laughs> I think he was just cur- – I think he was just currying favor. But speaking of – but just just make, making a quick point about wide receivers who get traded, they usually enjoy – well, at least recent, at least recent success or, or recent uh, history suggest um, that, you know, Wide receivers that get, that just get traded to a new team that have some success, you know, success immediately. You know, Brandon Marshall got traded to the Jets. He had like fifteen hundred yards and doubled his yep. touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Hopkins to the Cardinals. He had about fourteen hundred yards. Diggs two years ago, fifteen hundred yep. yards. And mm-hmm. then Brandon Cooks, like almost every time he gets traded, yeah. he has a thousand yards, <laughs> thousand yards, you know. thousand yards here, thousand yards there. So I think a lot of the and so I, it's Tyreek Hill's turn, right? It's Tyreek Hill's turn. I know the the offense. 
offensive environment is is not as favorable as it was in Kansas City. The pass volume is probably not going to be as much, but Tyreek Hill, he's still been his his underlying metrics still show that he's elite. His yards per route run is still relative, relatively high. He can still get down the field. I know his A dot was a little bit lower this past year, but that's because he was being used closer to the line of scrimmage and giving yep. him more yak, uh, you know, yak opportunities. I think his yak was a, was a, was a lot higher ranked, you know, in the top ten of the league. So you know, Tyreek Hill, he's I, I think he'll be fine. Wide receiver six is perfect for him. And he's just uh, he's he's gonna eat. He's gonna eat. Uh, I think Tua Tua has been getting a bad rap. Yeah, people have been ready to bury Tua since he's he he didn't uh, he didn't perform to the same standard as Justin Herbert. And I think Justin Herbert kind of ruined a lot of you know, ruined a lot of <laughs> rookie quarterbacks with yeah. how awesome he was yeah. in the year. So yeah. every rookie quarterback that struggles, if they're not if they don't perform like Justin Herbert. They're they're cooked. They're done. They're you know say goodbye, say goodbye to them. Pronounce they just pronounce them dead. And I just yeah. don't think that's <laughs> and I just don't think that's Tua. Uh, I think Tua will, will will bounce back this year. He has an elite weapon uh, to throw to. Hell, I mean Ty- Tyreek Hill in 2017 with Alex Smith was top five in fantasy points per game with Ty- with Alex Smith. So yeah. <laughs> so Tyreek Hill can just he can cook with anybody. Yeah, he can cook with anybody. So I, I think this is going to be a pretty uh, surprising year for. Uh, for for Tua um, throwing, being able to throw Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle and those guys. If you want to blame anyone for the slander that's come to his way, blame whoever's running the Miami Dolphins social media account who decided to tweet out that lame duck of a deep ball where Tyreek Hill basically had to turn around and fair catch it. Oh my! <laughs> Once God. the folks yeah. saw that, Tua Lewis dust in everyone's eyes. Even though <laughs> he's good with the deep ball, we talked about maybe earlier. that was that video maybe that was intentional. Him. Maybe that was intentional. Motivation. Let me just let me just destroy our fifth overall quarterback, fifth overall drafted quarterback. <laughs> yeah. One horrible video with him wearing a bucket hat, not being able to reach Tyreek Hill. Yeah. <laughs> Next wide receiver, Jalen Waddle, wide receiver 16, going 40th overall. So early fourth round. He was 15th in fantasy points per game. He was a he had 104 receptions, which was seventh in the league last year. Which was also the rookie broke the rookie record for the most receptions ever for uh, for a rookie. He was tenth in targets, tenth in yak, fourth in routes wins, sixth in win rate versus man, and then he he was fifteenth in the league in in slot snaps, which was at forty almost forty four percent. We'll see how how they use him this year. They'll probably move him all over the place, just like Tyreek, I would imagine, because I know Tyreek. He was in the slot a lot too this past year uh, with how Kansas City was getting covered. So uh, it's going to be crazy watching those two speedy small wide receivers, you know, kill any type of coverage. So um, do anybody have anything to add to that? I know right now, seeing where he's going, he's going around the range of like who we mentioned earlier, uh, McLaurin, DJ Moore, Deontay Johnson, T. Higgins. DK Metcalf in this range. Do you do you think this is? Do you think he's gonna you know kind of rise as we get closer and closer to the to the season, or you think he's gonna kind of drop behind some of these guys? Um, I, I think I think the hope though with this offense is that the you know the target share is condensed down to two maybe three people, three t- uh, three yeah. players: Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, and potentially you know Mike Kosicki, who's who 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 seemingly underperforms every year. But I mean, we'll we'll get to him in a second. That's that's the hope, and you know, like I said, you know, Tyreek Hill is, is obviously going to be the alpha there, 
And if if and, and Jalen Watt and Jalen Waddle is awesome in his own right, but you know the, he's 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 probably going to be playing second fiddle uh, to Tyreek Hill and taking you know taking him over over some of the guys that you just mentioned. I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know if it'll be it'll be the you know the the best thing, but you know I I do like I do like Jalen Waddle. I might I'll have some Jalen Waddle this year in in some leagues for sure, but. I, I don't. I don't know. Um, I, I do see, but I do see his ADP climbing though. His ADP may climb for sure, especially when we get closer to the you know closer to the season. We'll see him in pads. We'll see him in preseason. All he has to do is catch a you know catch a slant, take an eighty yards to the house, and they're going to just say, oh well, he's he's going to be one B to Tyreek Hill's one A, and then they're going to draft him as as a top twelve wide receiver and draft Tyreek Hill in the top five like they were you know anticipating. So that's, that's all it takes. So that's and that's one thing that I'm looking forward to is, is preseason when somebody just rips off a big play, you know, you'll just see somebody's ADP just skyrocket by like three or four or five, ten spots. <laughs> that's that's one of the things that I'm looking forward to most. But um, but yeah, his ADP will definitely climb. But right now, I wouldn't take I I wouldn't take him over a lot of those a lot of those guys that he's going um, in the same range as. Yep. If the hype train gets behind Tua in any capacity. You will see his ADP go up for sure. Um, he's kind of a weird fantasy guy for me in that in redraft, I'm completely going to avoid just because I just don't know how it's going to turn out. And we're not talking about, you know, discounts here. We're talking about premium draft capital to, to you know, to draft Jalen Waddle. But in Dynasty, I'm not panic selling. I'm not getting rid of him. Because there is a possibility that the fifth overall draft selection, that is Tua Tagovailoa, takes enough of a step to just get out of the way of Jalen Wild and Tyreek Hill because this offense can be very electric. So in Dynasty, I, I'm cool with, with Waddle, but in Redress, I'm just going to avoid because it, his range of outcomes is just too, too wide for me. Yeah, I understand that. Um, I mean, he's the number two in a new offense, and we just named off basically number ones in some other offenses they're going after him. Um, so I definitely understand. I probably would have Waddle behind all those guys, honestly. So um, Mike Gusecki, tied in 12. He's going 106, which is the end of the ninth round. <laughs> Ike is shaking his head. <laughs> we got him. He finished 14th <laughs> in fantasy points last year with right under 10, 10 points per game. He was fourth in targets, third in Third in air yards, fifth in receptions, eighth in receiving yards, third in unrealized yards, and he was also first in slot snaps. Uh, we know Mike Gusecki is one of these su- supreme athletes at his position. I think he was he tested 95th overall in every speed workout metric when he <laughs> when he drafted. I think uh, player profile had him. His comparable was Vernon Davis, and we know mm-hmm. Vernon Davis was was a monster when he when he came out. So. Um, we've always had a, a lot of expectations for for Mike Gusecki. It just never ever pans out. We always get that two two games in a row where he just balls out and then it just dies off. So, um, you know, just overall, you know, tight end twelve. I'm cool with it. He's in the range of all these tight ends that that really don't separate themselves after like the top like six or seven. They're all in the same range. It's just a matter of who's going to score the most touchdowns. Honestly, um, so basically, anybody else. <laughs> Anybody got any uh, any other thoughts? George Kittle was always really, really good in the offenses that Mike McDaniel was a part of. So I guess that's encouraging. 
But come draft season, especially in redraft, uh, I don't see myself having a whole lot of shares of Gasecki because after Gasecki's drafted, you know, Dallas Goddard, Cole Komet, even Albert O, Noah Fant, I'm willing to wait a little bit longer if that's the case. And if I want to kind of attack the position around or so before, Gasecki is Dalton Schultz, TJ Hawkinson. So I'm never in that Gasecki sweet spot. I'm either pushing a little bit and getting the okay. Dallas tight end, or I'm waiting longer and getting, you know, the ultimate dart throws. Cause like you said, if they're all PD dependent, might as well just use the least amounts uh, of draft capital. Yep. Yeah. And then like another, another point though is like you, you know, like you mentioned, he was the first in slot snaps, but you know, to, to Tyreek Hill's coming to Miami, Miami, mm-hmm. uh, Tyreek Hill was. Fifth, the, the fifth, the fifth best slot receiver in 2021, and great point. You're probably going to have, you know, Mike Gesicki's usage in the slot drop in 2022, and mm-hmm. then, and and then add, and then add on to the fact that they have three, they have, they basically, they basically have three pretty good tight ends um, from a run blocking perspective, and if they do plan on running the ball a little bit more, he's not going to be on the field as much either. Yeah. So there's a there's a lot of things going against Mike Gesicki. That you know that you know a lot of people aren't really you know paying too much attention to, so I, I don't I don't know I, I don't I don't really see the the upside with him, but he's just a phenomenal athlete, and you know you you tend to bet on talent, but hell even even while he's even when he's out there, he doesn't even look like the you know the smoothest running guy or the fastest guy, even though he has all these elite workout metrics. Um, you know when you're just watching him play, he just looks kind of looks kind of slow out there. I don't know I don't know what it is. Maybe my eyes are deceiving me. Or if it's, I don't know, he just does not look like the, <laughs> the the smoothest guy out there. But but nonetheless, you know, there's there's some red flags with him. You know, he's currently going as the tight end twelve, and I I, I can't get behind that. Um, there's a lot yeah. of, there's a lot of other guys that I would rather have than than Mike Kosicki, like you know, like a, like a Irv Smith or or maybe even a David Njoku or someone like someone along those mm-hmm. lines. It goes way later, also. Yeah. Yep. You know. I, I agree with that. I mean, if he scores a bunch of touchdowns, he's 2021 20, Dawson Knox. If he doesn't score a lot of touchdowns, he's, well, 2021 20, Mike Kosecki. <laughs> yep. Yep. All right, Ike, who are we going to talk about next? So the next team we're going to talk about is the New York Jets, the New York football Jets. And, you know, pro football focus ranked their offense as 26th. But yeah. you know, just, just going, yeah, it's pretty yucky, I know. But going into a couple of their offseason moves, they did lose wide receiver, slot receiver Jameson Crowder to division rival Buffalo, and we'll t- we'll t- we'll touch on him in a, in a second. They signed CJ Uzama and Tyler Conklin tight ends. We don't give a shit. They're not they're not fantasy relevant. <laughs> and they drafted they drafted Garrett Wilson, wide receiver from Ohio State, at tenth overall, and they drafted Brees Hall at the top of the second round at thirty fifth overall. I believe they traded for him. And they also drafted Jeremy Rucker, the Ohio State tight end, I believe, in the right. third, third round or fourth round. Ooh, I think that was the fourth round. Fourth round. Well, yeah, they probably they they use a middle middle round pick on on another tight end. So, um, but you know, it kind of leads us into the in, in, into into some of their biggest questions, or their biggest question is, what are we going to expect uh, out of this offense? And you know, to a, you know, to a larger extent, Zach Wilson in year two. Gene, you want to go first on this one? This is a big one. Ooh, I, I want to believe in Zach Wilson, man. I really do. Um, the the baby face killer. Um, but ugh, I don't know. This offense was really tough to watch. It was tough to watch him 
play football last year. He just looked lost. The offensive line was terrible. Um, but this year, I think I think they should be a little bit better. They got you know they got better weapons. The offensive line has gotten healthy. Um, so I, I I think they have the I, I I believe they have the weapons you know to at least be better than twenty six. Uh, then uh, from this previous year, they got a, a, a bell cow back potentially in Brees Hall. Uh, they can deploy Michael Carter in third down situations so he can, you know, he, he's really good at catching the ball and, you know, beating people in space uh, when you give him the opportunity. We saw Elijah Moore do really good things in the in the time that he had opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, he really woke up when he had uh, when he had White throwing him the ball. It wasn't even when when Zach Wilson was throwing him the ball. So uh, we even get Corey Davis back for wherever that's worth. Uh, just to have another option out there. We saw him. He did good things with Titans his last year before he got paid by the Jets. He went to the Jets and pretty much did nothing because he was always hurt. And then Garrett Wilson. I mean, we saw Garrett Wilson. I mean, we've seen Garrett Wilson do damage in college and, you know, having other weapons out there with him should, you know, give him opportunity to, you know, make an impact for this football team. So, think they should I think this offense should be a little bit better than it was last year in my opinion much like the Miami Dolphins I love the weapons I'm super unsure about the quarterback and just like the Miami Dolphins the quarterback is he's accurate uh we'll dive in a little bit more of Zach Wilson here in a minute but in terms of this offense I love what they're doing they they're bolstering their offensive line they're getting a, a a does everything running back. They're giving him weapons, more weapons he can even dream of. I mean, if like if this was Madden and you could develop Zach Wilson under your own image, you would you would love the offense. He would absolutely cook with everything. But you know, I, other than that, I I, I I gotta wait. I gotta wait and see on, on how Zach Wilson does in year two. Yeah, and then plus they're not going to be playing. Hopefully, they're not going to be playing um, from behind as much as they did last year. They trailed by four or more points on sixty percent of their snaps, um, <laughs> and they only led by four plus points on ten percent of their plays. So, not really, not good, not good at all. And and I know Zach Wilson can improve upon some of his some of his metrics. You know, according to Pro Football Focus, he was thirty eighth in passing grade, you know, forty second in QB rating, thirty ninth in yards per attempt. 31st in turnover turnover worthy play rate so at least 31st and all those you know major you know quarterback metrics wasn't good it was pretty ugly for him but i mean he can improve with his you know to your guys's point with a lot of the weapons that he has uh, now at his disposal and hopefully you know what you know what a lot of their offensive you know the, their moves in this offseason you know signal intent and sitting in their intent is to help out their their young quarterback so i think i think zach wilson could kind of can take a step forward if he you know, if he cleans up the turnovers, uh, cleans up, you know, taking a bunch of sacks because he took a lot of sacks last year, ten uh, percent sack rating accounted for, you know, twenty two percent of their of their total sacks, which is, you know, eight eight percentage points above the NFL average. So if he cleans cleans up some of those things, I think he can, he can take a step forward in year two. And and just can, kind of continuing on with Zach Wilson, he's currently being drafted as a quarterback twenty two, so that's. You know, the 15th round, pick 169, 170. Um, we're obviously not prioritizing him in drafts. If he, mm-hmm. if he, you know, if he pops in the first couple of weeks, then yeah, he can be a, a waiver wire pickup. And you can feel pretty good about his weapons, uh, getting him, you know, you know, getting, you know, 
making sure that he's that he's successful and hopefully he can improve upon his you know 12 and a half fantasy points per game as a rookie so uh we're, again we're not we're not really prioritizing zach wilson so no. on to the so on to the running backs <laughs> this is going to be an interesting topic Brees hall obviously was you know drafted in the second round 35th overall currently going as the rb19 and that's towards the end of the fourth round pick 48 he has a crazy athletic profile i think he's in the 95th percentile on most of his metrics which is ridiculous I think out of all the landing spots, I think this is one of the better landing spots for him. Um, and, you know, again, that second round draft capital is is the new first round draft capital because you don't really draft for running backs in the first. You draft for running backs in the second. So you don't get that fifth year, fifth year option for running back uh, unless you're Pittsburgh. <laughs> so uh, but again, so I, to your, you know, to, to, to an earlier point that I made, the coaching staff, they've basically telegraphed everything that they're going to do this offseason, you know, by getting, you know, getting a running, getting, a, you know, getting Brees Hall. And, and now they're going to have, you know, a, a healthy offensive line. They're getting Mackay Becton back. He only, I think he only played like one or two games last year. They yeah. used a, they used a premium pick on, um, uh, on Vera Tucker from USC last year. And so, um, you know, he's getting buzzed. You know, Brees Hall is getting buzzed right now as, as, as be, you know, being the lead back. Um, in, in early camp reports, and so uh, what do you guys think about Brees Hall and his and his uh, at, you know prospects for twenty twenty two? I like Brees Hall. He checks a lot of the boxes. Interesting fact, though, since two thousand sixteen, running backs that were selected from pick thirty five to forty five in the NFL draft. So in sixteen, you had Derrick Henry. Seventeen, you had Dalvin Cook. Eighteen, you had Chubb, Ronald Jones, Carryon Johnson. May not sound great, but they were fantasy valuable at one point. None were drafted in 19. And in 20, you had DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, and last year's Javante. So this seems to be a sweet spot for running backs. Mm. And the fact that they traded up for him just gives that extra little push why, why I'm definitely happy to get him in redraft or have him in rookie drafts. That's a good point. That's a good point. I didn't even I didn't yeah. put all that together. Yeah. 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 I didn't even put that together either. I know I, I was in love with Carrion when he got drafted. Oh God. He was good. good his, yeah. he, he was good his rookie year. And then he was. after yeah. that, yeah, then it was it was just you no, know, the bottom fell out. But um to your point, yeah, I mean, the Jets did telegraph. They look like they want they wanted a bell cow back, which they could potentially use a pre-saw because we saw him last I mean, his whole college career. We saw him catch over 20 passes. I mean, he pretty much had over 300 touches his last two years in college. So if they call upon him to do it, he can do it. Um, but he can definitely handle the first and second down workload for sure. So I, I like Greece. I like the spot for him. Um, he's going to, at a good range. So so his backfield mate, Michael Carter, um, he, was, he was the fourth-round pick last year from North Carolina, currently going as the RB46. So that's the twelfth round, pick one forty four. I think this is really low for him. This is really, really low for him, considering he showed he showed some flashes of a, of a decent running back last year. I think he had a stretch uh, where he was, you know, I think an RB one or RB or a, a high end RB two. He was performing well, with, especially with Mike White getting all those checkdowns. Showed that he was a really good receiver. Um, he was ninth in yards per or eighth in yards per reception. He had a one point five nine yards per route run, which is fourteenth. His target share was eleven and a half percent, and that was fourteen. So, and then when he got the ball, he was making people miss. You know, he was thirteen in the yards per touch, eleventh in juke, juke rate, twelfth in yards created per touch. 
So he's he's a lot better than you know we're you know we're giving him credit for, and you know just I, I know Brees Hall was drafted to be the bell cow, but I I don't think Michael Carter is just really just going to go away from day one. I think they're gonna I think he's gonna he's gonna mix in, he's gonna mix in as well. I mean I don't think it's gonna be Brees Hall's job like one hundred percent Brees Hall's job from the start. I think they're gonna at least start the season off maybe in a timeshare. And then, you know, eventually Brees Hall's talent will take over. But Michael Carter is not going to be an afterthought um, in by any stretch. I think he's going to get a lot more touches than we're really anticipating. So, yeah. I, mean, at wor- I, mean, I mean, at worst, he'll be a, sol- a really solid handcuff. Um, but what if something happens to Brees Hall? What if he has like a hamstring injury in training camp or something? Then Michael Carter will be the guy. You know, right? So, you know, there's I, I think a lot of people are writing off Michael Carter a little bit too early. Yeah, I, I like the his receiving profile for sure. The only knock on him would be his quarterback. Again, like I said, uh, Zach Wilson didn't really dump the ball off to his running backs. Uh, when we yeah. saw Carter pop, it was with White. Um, again, I know there was a week, I think the Cincinnati Mike game, White. I think that was the Thursday night game where Mike White went crazy. Uh, that was the game Michael Carter went crazy. I think he was RB1 for that week um, because he, yeah. he touched the, he got a lot of receiving yards. So, um, if Zach Wilson can, you know, throw the ball to his running backs, then yeah, I like I like the position of, of Michael Carter. He can make people miss. Um, he's good. He has good hands, so I like it. Real, just real quick uh, before you before you chime in, Matt, I want I want to go back to Brees Hall really quick. I have an interesting dichotomy for you guys. You ready? Okay. Okay. Brees Hall or Travis Etienne? Ooh. <laughs> Redraft, uh, give me Brees. Guy not coming off a foot injury. Because we both we both haven't seen either of them play in the NFL yet. We have not had both we explosive. Have they both have prolific college uh pr- you know, production. That's an interesting dichotomy. Like who would you who would give, you go? Thanks for me, keeping me up all night tonight. Like now I can yeah. I'm not gonna be able to fall asleep and be thinking about it. <laughs> give me, it? Who right give me. Give me Travis, man. And the the reason why I say Travis because because the the backs behind Travis are James White, who we don't know if he's going to be ready for the season because he tore his Achilles. Uh, we James Robinson, Snoop, you mean? Yeah, James Robinson, Snoop Connor, who's a rookie a rookie running back, a bigger a bigger back. So if anything, he's going to be short yardage, maybe goal line. We don't know. Um, and that's pretty much it. So potentially Travis Etienne could be can be used used as a three down back early in the season for sure. So I would I would put my money on Travis early in the season for sure. I love Michael Carter as a player. I thought he flashed in a lot of key uh, aspects last year. But kind of thinking about it over the last couple months or so, this is how I think it plays out. You have Michael Carter, Marlon Mack, Naeem Hines. At worst, he's Marlon Mack. At best, he's Naeem Hines. All three guys, fourth-round picks, and in the Colts' case, they went out and got their guy in the second round, much mm. like the Jets. So if you know they keep him around, then he's not even Hines. He pops in weeks. He's duds in most. And at worst, he's just completely pushed aside like Marlon Mack was. Or he gets hurt or something like that like Mack did, obviously. But, yeah, that's kind of, I think, it's where it is. And as a dart throw, you know, mid to late, I'm good with it because I like the player. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'll I'll be having a lot of Michael Carter, and I think I've, I've drafted a couple of uh, Michael Carter in some of my best ball teams so far. So I, okay. I, I, I love him like, in best ball. Yeah, I love, love him in best, best ball. ball. He's he's gonna have spike weeks. He's he's mm-hmm. definitely yep. gonna have spike weeks. So all right. So on to the receivers, the main event of the evening. We're gonna talk about <laughs> Elijah Moore, currently going off the board as the wide receiver thirty-two, which is criminal. 
that's a, that's the middle of the sixth round, pick 67. This guy is awesome. He was a prolific producer at Ole Miss. I think the I think his eight his the eight games that he played at Ole Miss, he had over almost 1,200 yards and averaged over 10 and a half catches a game. Like he was just just a a stud. And then you know week seven through 13 in, in his rookie year, he was the wide receiver three overall, around 18 fantasy points per game, and he was catching passes from the the, the likes of Josh Johnson and Mike White and Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco made an appearance on on the on the show of the 2021 Jets, and then obviously Zach Wilson, while only playing around 60% of the snaps. He wasn't even playing a full complement of snaps. They were still giving snaps to yep. something called a Keelan Cole and, and yep. Denzel Mims. <laughs> I, remember, I remember we were texting each other being pissed about why he was why, why, he why he was, Yeah, why was he on the field? They were rotating like six different wide receivers. It was crazy. Yeah, so, um, you know, wide receiver 32. Um, I, I'm, 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 I'm scooping that up all day, every day. Uh, what do you guys think about Elijah Moore? I like uh, it's it's crazy to me the comparisons I keep coming up with between the Dolphins and the Jets and Elijah Moore. I see him a lot like Jalen Waddle. Love him in Dynasty, not panicking about him. But in redraft, I just I'm not I don't I think I'm staying away because it's one of those things that if it works out, then cool. But if it doesn't, like I might be screwed. And I think in redraft where it's just one and done seasons, I try to play it safe earlier, you know, in your top six, seven picks. So I'm gonna stay away in redraft, but in Dynasty, love him as a dynasty asset. Okay. Mm, I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm not that scared of him in redraft, but I mean, again, like a lot of Elijah's good work that was done last year was not with Zach Wilson. So that's the thing that makes me a little cautious. Um, They're bringing Corey Davis back. I mean, uh, they got Garrett Wilson coming in. Uh, They got Brees Hall and they still got Michael Carter. Um, And then whatever – we want to think about CJ Uzama. He, we we did see Zach Wilson also use his tight ends a lot too. So, um, I mean, the range is cool. Um, uh, he's going around the range of like, it was like Rashad Bateman's there. You got his teammate Garrett Wilson's around there. Devonte Smith, uh, Traylon, Gabe Davis. So, I mean, these are some of these. I think he's in in that in that type of range. So. Um, it's cool. I don't think I would. I I don't think personally me. I'll be drafting him in the sixth round. I'll probably wait till seventh or eighth if he was still there. But um, he's a good wide receiver. Just the situation is kind of uh, kind of a wait and see type of thing, like you said about the Dolphins too. So yeah. All right. So next is Garrett Wilson. Uh, we talked about him earlier. The tenth overall pick in the draft. Currently going off the board as wide receiver fifty. So that's towards the end of the ninth round. So you know, there's there's a little bit of a value, a little bit of a value there if you if you believe in getting Garrett Wilson. Um, you know, on average, you know, got you know wide receivers that have gone in the top ten, you know, over the last I think since 2014, they've gone on to finish at least as the, as the wide receiver 29, so a wide receiver three, mm. uh, a high end wide receiver three, low end, almost you know, creeping into wide receiver two territory. So you know, Garrett Wilson does have opportunity, um, but. The, the question the question is is like where where is he going to play is he going to play on the outside is he going to play in the slot I personally think that him and Corey Davis will be playing on the outside and Elijah Moore will be in the slot that's that's what the speculation is and that's where Elijah Moore thrived that's where he thrived in his in, in his career at Ole Miss and that's where I think he should be best deployed even though he did dominate on the outside most of the damage that he did last year was on the outside so but. Since they drafted Garrett Wilson, maybe they can just kick him in and inside and, and just utilize him a little bit more because, because honestly, I think Elijah Moore is a better wide receiver 
than Garrett Wilson. Even though he has the, even though he has the cat, even though he has a draft capital, even though Garrett Wilson has a draft capital, Elijah Moore is a better receiver. He was a better receiver in college. He was a better, you know, he he was a he was a better producer in college. I mean, it, you look it up. It's 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 the truth. All the spicy. metrics. All it's not spicy. A, a lot of the metrics point to Elijah Moore being better than Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson just had the draft capital, and Elijah Moore is five nine, and Garrett Wilson's not. So. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of things that you can you can point to that, but that but but that's but that's not really why. Um, but yeah, but, but at the end of the day, I think you know Garrett Wilson you know, going in the ninth round. I think that's appropriate for him as as a you know rookie wide receiver. Um, what do you guys think about Garrett Wilson? Kind of like Gene mentioned, uh, Elijah Moore had would have to slip a round or two for him to get interested. I'm kind of like that with Garrett Wilson. Uh, you know, in that similar range, I'm taking Alan, Alan Lazard in redraft. I'm taking Russell Gage. I'm taking oh yeah, Russell shove. Gage all day. Yeah, and push comes to shove, I'm taking uh, Elijah Moore over Garrett Wilson. So I don't think again, I don't think I'll come out of many drafts with Garrett Wilson, but I do think he's very talented. And if you're out there willing to bet on Zach Wilson, then you should bet on both, both receivers because they are talented. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm on kind of the same boat. Um, more for me is like. Generally speaking, the general rule is that rookie wide receivers usually don't do anything of significance until towards the end of the the season. Um, and in, in this case, we got like a situ- offensive situation where we just kind of don't know how it's gonna how it's gonna go in terms of where the targets and where the production is gonna come from. So I would rather not take a chance on somebody like Zach. I mean uh, Garrett Wilson, especially where. He's going in the ninth round, so basically you're drafting a starter spot. I don't want to spend down on a rookie wide receiver where it's kind of ambiguous in terms of how the productions, where the production is going to come from. So mm. if anything, I would wait, or probably I wouldn't, I won't have any of them uh, unless I pick them up from waivers or something. So yeah. And then just rounding out the pass catchers, we have Corey Davis. He's basically going free in drafts. He is going to be around. He is going to be around. He is going to be in two wide receiver sets because they paid him a lot of money and money talks and money keeps you on the field. So mm-hmm. he's going to be, he's going to be a thorn in either Elijah Moore or Garrett Wilson's side. to the much to the chagrin of uh, us fantasy managers who are going to, you know, have a lot of shares of e- either of these guys. So just an FYI, Corey Davis will be on the field. He w- he did show some decent rapport with Zach Wilson, a couple of games, you know, mm-hmm. that Titans game where they, you know, Zach Wilson had that rollout and threw a, threw a bomb, like a fifty yard bomb, to Corey Davis in the, in the end zone, which was, I think, an off an off script and off platform play that he just threw a, an absolute laser. Uh, you know, that's 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 kind of what we 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 see a, we see a little bit of that from from Zach Wilson and he, some of the things that he's capable of. But again, Corey Davis will be on the field and he'll he'll command some sort of target share. He's not going to go away. And then we don't need to talk about the tight ends. They're they're not relevant <laughs> at all. No. But CJ Uzama was no. CJ Uzama was paid three years, twenty four million dollars. But go, tight end thirty two no. don't really need to spend any time on that. So that rounds out the Jets. Yep. All right. Now on to uh, Matt's favorite team, the the New England Patriots. PF, PFF had them great as uh, at number two overall offense uh, this past year, which was really surprising to me. You know, just off top, but. You know, they were a very efficient offense, even though it was very, you know, a very basic offense, but they were very efficient in terms of what they did and how they attacked defenses. Uh, their offensive, their offseason moves were Devontae Adams. They traded, they traded for him during the draft. 
Um, they drafted the speedster Tyquan Thornton in the second round, and they drafted Pierre Strong in the fourth round. Um, which leads me to my first question. You know, you know, adding op- offensive weapons. They also spent uh, first round on on uh, Cole Strange to, to kind of shore up their offensive line. <laughs> yeah. So that which leads <laughs> he came to my where? Where did he come from? What community college did they draft man, him from? I couldn't even tell you, man. I couldn't is he, tell is you. He, is he related to, to Stephen Strange? Dr. Stephen <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Leads to the first question. Mac Jones, will he take that second year leap? Matt, go ahead. So the buzz around here, uh, I'm in Massachusetts, is that, you know, this kid exudes a tremendous amount of confidence. He's a fantastic leader. He's who you want leading your team. But in the NFL. I think he takes a second-year leap in terms of how, what Belichick wants him to do. I do not think he takes a second leap for us fantasy team builders. You know, he was quarterback 25 on a points-per-game basis last year. I think you're looking at an improvement, but like quarterback 20. Which is where he's being drafted. He's being drafted as a quarterback 20 right now. Yeah, so. So, but I think that's more of his upside. So if you're willing to bet on the upside at that spot, go for it. Uh, but yeah, I just... They didn't put any, you know, super exciting weapons. They just put guys who will probably get the job done. And I yep. think that's what Belichick wants to do is win NFL games. And ex- unfortunately for us fantasy gamers, it comes at the expense of, well, basically our fun. Yep. Yeah. And plus, like, this team was 28th in pass play rate last year. So they weren't really passing the ball that much You're as right. it was. Um, they have but, 17 but running backs. 17 and maybe 18. <laughs> they might have signed their 18. 18 by yeah. my count. 18 by yeah. my count. <laughs> But but I mean, you know, Mac Jones when he when he was asked to throw the ball, I mean he was he was he he ranked, you know, according to PFF, he ranked thirteenth of you know, thirty-two from a clean pocket. Um when he was under pressure, he ranked fifth out of thirty-two quarterbacks. Um uncatchable passes, he was fourth out of thirty-two. So basically all you know, that the vast majority of the time his passes were catchable. Um but one of the biggest knocks on on Mac Jones is that he didn't really run the ball that much. And that that actually limits his up limits his upside and limits his ceiling. He didn't even have 50 rush attempts or barely had 50 rush attempts last year. So uh, that's one thing that, you know, if if he's going to take a, a leap, um, I know they were I know they were an efficient offense as a whole. I think they ranked sixth overall in in like, I think, points or yards or whatever the case was. And obviously their, their PFF ranking was second. But he needs to I mean, I'm not saying that he's he's a, he's a guy that can that can actually run. But if if he's going to take another leap. Based on the weapons that he has, or the lack thereof, I mean, he, he'll have to he'll have to do something uh, to you know to maybe throw the ball down the field a little bit more. But you know, he 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 didn't he didn't really run the ball that much, and that that actually hurts. But in terms of him taking a second year leap, I mean, I, I think he I think he can be he can be much better. I think he can be in the mid you know the mid the mid QB two range because he's you know there's a lot of things that he he could he could have done better last year as well. So even though they they made the playoffs and you know they had some success, but most of that was off of the backs of the running game and um, just being efficient. Josh McDaniels is gone. Don't know, and and I and I think uh, I think I read a report about the you know the Patriots having Bill Belichick call the plays now. I think he's going to call the plays. Wait, what? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a mess over here. He yeah. hasn't named an offensive coordinator. You have Matt Patricia back, Joe Judge Joe back. Judge. Yeah. Kind of confusing, but real quick about that playoff game. We're not going to talk about the Jets tight ends. We're also not going to talk about that horrific Patriots playoff game. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, uh, it was not. I was not gonna. Uh, was not gonna. 
bring, bring up bring up the old wounds, if you will. <laughs> but uh, you know, talking about key fantasy players, Mac Jones is the first person going quarterback twenty, which which is what the early thirteenth round. So somebody in redraft, uh, you're really not drafting unless. Uh, you pick him off from waivers for a bye week or something like that. But to go back to Ike's point about him, you know, trying to get into the mid mid to uh, early QB two range, um, I'm not sure what more he could do because I mean, last year he threw for the fifth most uh, yards for a rookie quarterback at 3,800 yards. So like he, he had only 13 interceptions. I mean, he threw. Uh, he had 14th in pass attempts. Uh, 14th in yards per attempt, 14th in touchdowns, 13th in pass yards, 10th in air, in air yards. He was first in man coverage, throw rate, 7th in completion percentage versus man, first in completion percentage versus zone. So, I mean, he was very efficient in terms of in terms of throwing the ball. Like, I'm not sure what more you can ask him to do. Like, I mean, unless the next step would be for him to, you know, from 38 go, go to like 45. 100 passing yards and yeah. you know go to what Hammy go to from 22 passing touchdowns to to like 30 that could get him into the range where to that that beginning that top of the the quarterback twos but um again like Matt said well you got when you came and figure out if you want Joe Judge or Matt Patricia to call plays who are neither are offensive play uh coordinators at all um and then now you're just juggling that if Bill's going to call the plays himself, like, I, I mean, I don't know, man. It's just, it's a weird situation. Yeah. One last cru- thing about Mac Jones for him to take that big fantasy leap. We need uh, as a fantasy community, the dolphins and jets offenses to click. Cause then he'll be chasing points. Oh, uh, that's true. But if they stink and Belichick can just play, you know, hashtag establish it. He will. <laughs> it's very true. All right, uh, the running backs, we got uh, Damian Harris, RB26. He's going mid-sixth round. Uh, he was 18th in fantasy points per game last year, 12th in red zone touches, 5th in total touchdowns, uh, 10th in rush yards, 8th in breakaway run, 16th in beta tackles. You know, overall, he we saw him, when he touched the ball, he usually, I mean, it was a lot of touchdowns that he scored. So, uh, I mean, overall, we know their, their, their rush offense is, is, is really elite. We know just based off of this confusion that they're going to be running the ball again this year. Uh, so, what do you? What are y'all thoughts on on Damian Harris and where he's going right now in ADP? Yeah, let me. I'll I'll, I'll start with this. I, I think I think RB twenty six. I mean, that's I guess that's a fine spot for him. But one thing we need to just we need to make sure we we keep in mind is that he's not going to catch any passes and he's not going to have a three down roll, right? So. Yep. He scored 15 touchdowns last year and only finished 18th fantasy points per game. So that's yeah. if he had if he had a, any kind of re- receiving floor, he probably would have been would have been easily cracking the RB one range, RB one territory. But even yep. even going even historically going back to let's say uh, years ago, Legarrette Blunt scored 18 touchdowns. I believe he wasn't even an RB one. I think he was an RB two. <laughs> so because he mm-hmm. again he wasn't catching passes. The only the, the path to a Patriots running back being an RB one is catching passes, and none of these yeah. guys do that. So uh, there, there's going to be a lot of rotation. Um, I don't know who else is behind Ramondre Stevenson and, 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 and Damian Harris, but they're they're not going to have three down rolls. They're not going to be primary. They'll they'll be the first and second down ball carriers, and they'll get and they'll get the goal line touches. 
And you know, you don't want to draft Damian Harris as your RB one, or maybe even your, maybe even your RB two. You can definitely draft them as your as your RB three, just kind of like a safe guy that can get touchdowns or or something along those lines. But that's just one thing that we 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 kind of need to keep in mind is that he's not going to really catch any passes. Yep. You got anything to add, Matt? No, he. I'm kind of just staying away. I'm not betting on guys who are just super touchdown dependent. Yeah, he's a he's a standard league type of running back. Yeah, uh, just to even yeah. just to even highlight that he scored ha- uh, 50, almost fifty four percent of his his total PPR points came from touchdowns. So very touchdown dependent. Yeah. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson, another guy in the backfield. Uh, he he's going RB forty one. Which is basically the end of the ninth round. Fifth, he was fifth in rush yards by by a rookie. And he was nineteenth in yards per touch overall in the league. He, a lot of people always say, if you, if you have an ambiguous situation, always take the guy that's cheaper. In this case, you got Ramondre that's much cheaper than Damian Harris, and this guy does catch passes. So, uh, if I'm going to play in this backfield, Ramondre is probably going to be my my target for sure. So, I have some. Does anybody Ramondre have anything? Yeah. Yeah. I'm the I like Romaja in best ball. I'm probably not going to target him in redraft. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Now go ahead. Sorry, right, no, I was gonna say, like, you know, he's he he has he 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 was pretty efficient last year in some in some metrics, like Juke Rate, he was fourth overall. Uh, yards created per touch, he was fifteenth. So he he's not he's not a bad running back by any stretch. And so I, I think again, he's the cheapest guy going at the end of the ninth round. I mean, I'd, I'd probably, I'd probably take a swing at him a couple of times. Um, like yeah. I mentioned, I do have him in, in in a couple of best ball teams already. So, and he just just so happened to fall to me. So, I'll I'll gladly take the discount there. He's also that perfect type of running back that you don't draft. You wait three weeks, he gets dropped. Then you can use some fab if if yep. Danny Hatch gets hurt. That's kind <laughs> exactly. of how you see it playing out. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, now to the ambiguous wide receiver room of Devontae <laughs> Parker, <laughs> Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers. I mean, I don't want to name the rest because I don't think any of the other ones are going to really be any relevance. But uh, out of these three, Kendrick Bourne is the cheapest right now. He's going going around our uh, wide receiver 89, which is free. You can pick him off waivers. Devontae's going wide receiver 64, which is 145th. So that's basically the end of the uh, the beginning of the 13th. And then you got... Jacoby Myers, who's going right before him at our uh, wide receiver 61, which is uh, the end of the 12th round, uh, the beginning of the 12th round, sorry. So what do y'all, what is y'all thoughts on, on this situation? Are we, are you looking to target any of these guys? Um, Take like Jacoby said, Myers. Pre- yeah. I mean, it's pretty ambiguous. So what, what is y'all thoughts? Um, well, Ike has already said he's taking Jacoby, so. I'm taking Jacoby for sure. I do like Bourne quite a bit more in best ball when you don't have to worry when to play him. He yep. is an effective guy in fantasy, but in terms of having to pick right, I don't know if that's going to be uh, a successful strategy. So I'm yeah. going Myers. Yeah. yeah. I, he, if I had guy. to take, yeah, if I had to take somebody, it would probably be Myers, but overall, I just want to stay away, man. Like, this is. I need I, I need I need answers from how this offense is going to look like, man. Before I even start trying to, have you ever watched football from 1934? <laughs> <laughs> well, real quick about uh, another thing about Jacoby Myers is that he he while playing in the slot, he did face a lot of man coverage and he did have a lot of uh you know route wins 
uh, route wins overall. His route win rate was 50.3%, and that was number six in the NFL, according to playerprofiler.com. And routes versus man, he ran 359, so the second most routes versus man. And his win, his win rate versus man was 46%, and that was number five in the NFL. So he 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 wins he wins on his routes. He just had bad touchdown luck. I think for a longest for the longest stretch of the season, he didn't have a touchdown. And then when he finally caught a touchdown, the entire team mobbed him. Yeah, in the end zone. yeah, that was, yeah. That was a pretty that was a pretty yeah, cool that moment. Was cool. That was a pretty cool moment. Yeah. And he only finished with two touchdowns. And, but I think that that touchdown regression should should definitely um, hit him this year. He had 126 targets, so that was a pretty decent target share. Right, I mean, the pretty decent target share, twenty four and a half. That's top, tw- you know, twenty four and a half target percent target share. That was twentieth in the NFL. So, you know, a, a guy getting that, you know, getting that kind of target volume and and in an ambiguous wide receiver room, going that late. I mean, sign me up. I'll, I'll, I'll gladly. That's a guy that I'll actually target late in drafts. Like, you know, you you, you say you don't want to, you know, target guys going this late, but I, I would definitely target Jacoby Myers at late in drafts for sure. Especially okay. in PPR leagues, for sure. Especially yep. PPR, yeah. Yep. All right, and to the last pass catcher, Hunter Henry. Uh, I, I mean, I would mention uh, Jonathan Smith, but they just didn't use him at all. So, Hunter Henry, he's going tie in thirteen, hundred nineteenth overall. So basically, the end of the tenth round. Uh, we saw Hunter Henry score a lot of touchdowns. Thirty-three percent his his total points came from touchdowns. He was second in touchdowns for tight ends. He was third in dot, third in fantasy points per touch at 3.29, very elite. But like I said, he was very efficient with the touches that he had because he only had 75 targets uh, over the course of the season, uh, which was, I think, I think that was like 20, almost, I think, 18th in terms of 17th, 18th in for uh, targets for a tight end. So, uh, Matt, you got anything to add in terms of the, that tight end room? Not super excited about many Patriots this year in fantasy, <laughs> to be honest. And, and at that range, like I'm taking shots on a guy like Cole Komet who could be around there. Um, give give me Albert O, Noah Fant, Dun- oh, uh, David yeah. Njoku, mm-hmm. Gerald Everett, Evan Ingram. I would take all those guys later yep. and not have to be so concerned with just one statistic every Sunday, and that's touchdowns. Yeah, you know? yeah. All right, Ike. Who we who's the last thing we talking about? The last but certainly not least, we are going to talk about the reigning AFC East champions, the Buffalo Bills. I'm going to go ahead and get out of here, guys. Uh, I'm just going <laughs> to <laughs> 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 uh, PFF ranked their offense at uh, ninth overall. Surprise, it was not higher than that, but mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, a couple of moves they made this offseason. They did lot. They did lose Brian Dable to the Giants. Uh, he became their new head coach. But you know, Ken Dorsey takes over as offensive coordinator, and that was actually Josh Allen's quarterback coach for the last three years. So there's going to be there's going to be that continuity that remains there. Um, but you know, last year, you know, Buffalo they they were third in pass play rate in non garbage time situations. They were ninth in you know situation neutral pace. And they ran a shit ton of plays, 67, 67 plays per game. That's nearly four above the league average. So they were fast paced. They were moving. They were moving it up and down the field, throwing the ball over the yard. And it looks like that's probably what's going to that's that that part of their offensive philosophy is going to is going to remain the same. I mean, their pass pay, pass rate was above the league average in most game situations, whether they were leading by four, leading by seven, trailing. 
whatever the case was, they are going to continue to pass the ball. Um, and a couple of other moves they made, they drafted James Cook in round two. They signed Duke Johnson, the U's all-time leading rusher, Matt. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This guy doesn't die, man. <laughs> he doesn't die. He does not and die. That was another, and that was another one of your guys that you wouldn't let die either, Ike. No, not me. No, not me. I wasn't. A, I was not. I was not all all about Duke Johnson. I think that was Matt, not just kind of co-signed. Fellas, <laughs> love Duke Johnson over here. Yeah, it was. It was. It was mostly Matt, not me. But uh, and then also they signed, as I mentioned earlier, uh, when I spoke about the Jets, they did sign Jameson Crowder to be their slot receiver. He's going to replace replace uh, the recently released Cole Beasley, who's still currently a free agent. And also they signed uh, tight end OJ Howard to a one year deal um, from Tampa Bay. So. So some of the biggest questions that we want to talk about as it retains to the Bills. The most polarizing player this offseason in a lot of fantasy communities or in the fantasy community in general was about Gabriel Davis. He is one of the, you know, this this player drives a lot of conversation, whether he's good, whether he's bad, whether what whatever the case is. So what do we think about Gabriel Davis? Is he overrated? Is he underrated? Is he rated just right? Like based on where he's being drafted like what do we what what do we make of Gabriel Davis and what can we expect out of him in uh this 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 year I think this is going to be year 3 for him I think he's slightly overrated um there are just other guys I'm a little bit more confident in in his draft range um of course it's great being tethered to to Josh Allen but there was one thing that the organization made clear this offseason it's just let's get him all of the weapons. OJ Howard super athletic. They went and got two running backs. Jameson Crowder although he's 57 years old, he's going to warrant some sort of targets. And with all that and then you have one of the best wide receivers on planet Earth, Stefan Diggs. Dawson Knox was effective last year. Uh I just think that I, I he's it's a little too cloudy. Yeah, he had a great game against the Chiefs in the playoffs, but I think he's a little overrated. Yeah, I have to tend to agree here. Even though I like Gabriel Davis, I think people are are highlighting the four touchdown game versus the Chiefs uh, as like, oh yeah, he's ready to go. But I mean, they brought a slot specialist in Crowder. They they uh, they drafted Shakir. Wherever people mm-hmm. want to think about that, uh, they re-signed McKenzie. They bring in James Cook. Um, they bring in OJ Howard, wherever that's worth too. Um, so I think they brought on a lot of help uh, for Josh Allen. I mean, yeah, Gabriel Davis is probably going to be the number two, but I'm not sure if he's going to return uh, wide receiver 25 value or 26 value. I'm not sure if he's going to be a top 24 wide receiver. Well, I mean, I have to wait and see for that, honestly. So I think he's being just a slightly overrated right now. Yeah, um, the hype train is 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 there for for Gabriel Davis for sure. Um, but he is stepping in to the biggest opportunities he's ever had. You know, he, the, the, yeah. you know, in previous in previous situations, you know, he's he's had to play behind Emmanuel Sanders. He's had to play behind Cole Beasley, so he wasn't on the field as as much as he as he probably should have been. But um, you know, you could ask the question you know, like, well, why couldn't he beat out a 35-year-old Emmanuel Sanders? Why couldn't he beat out uh, an unathletic slot receiver like Cole Beasley? Um, but you know, I, I think I think a lot of a lot of a lot of it had to do with like his youth and how he maybe not have he may have not have picked up the offense, or there could have been a, a couple of things that, that that could have you know not gone his way. 
But when he's on the field, when he was given opportunity, he he produced. He produced, especially down the stretch in 2021. Uh, he was being picked, you know, picked up in many waiver wires, and he was cooking. Right, he was cooking. He scored multiple touchdowns a few times here and there. And um, but, but one, but one question I want to ask. Well, actually, no. Yeah, one question I want to ask though is Gabriel Davis is currently be going off the board as as the wide receiver, what, 24, 25? Mm-hmm. And a, another guy is currently going off the board as the wide receiver, 20. He is down. He is a little bit further west in Denver named Jerry Judy. Who would you mm-hmm. rather have, Gabriel Davis or Jerry Judy? And I'll, and I'll, and I'll, I'll get to why I'm asking this question after you guys answer. But I'm just curious to get your thoughts. Damn. Give me Judy. Give me Judy. Give me Judy. Damn. Damn, man. Uh, like I'm, 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 I'm calling you at 3 a.m. when I can't sleep because I'm thinking about <laughs> Brees Hall or ETN or Jerry Judy versus Gabe Davis. Get, man, give me, give me Davis, man. Give me Davis, man. Davis. Break the tie. So the reason why I asked that question is because I saw a tweet from, uh, from Ian Hardis from PFF. And he said, and it, and it read that Gabriel Davis, in his last 60 minutes of football, scored more touchdowns than Jerry Judy ever has in 26 career games. Damn. And I was like, wow. That's not fair. It's Josh Allen, <laughs> Drew Locke, <laughs> and Teddy Two Gloves. I was like, wow, that's, that is insane. Damn, <laughs> man. That is insane, but I mean they're going around the same range in, in fantasy yeah. drafts, and yeah. you know one quarterback is tethered to Russell Wilson. I'm mean, sorry, one wide receiver is tethered to Russell Wilson. The other one is tethered to Josh Allen, who is the reigning and defending undisputed QB one over the last two years. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know, man. I I I feel like I would lean Davis because of the vo- the pass volume, and he is yeah. he is firmly entrenched to be the number two, and he has a lot of upside. I yeah. think I. And- I Oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, and keep in mind, there's a hundred and almost a hundred and ninety targets vacated between Sanders and Beasley. Somebody has to, somebody has to take care of those. So, and yeah. Gabriel, Gabriel only had sixty three last year. So, I, I mean, just naturally, we think he's gonna be at least a hundred. I would assume at least. So, and you know, and we know, we know, we hear about the or what we see from the the, the proverbial year three breakout. He's in year yeah. three. So I'm saying. just. It's 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 possible the stage is set for 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 Gabriel Davis to to to, to turn up. So, um, yeah. but yeah. So, but we'll go into the uh, the key fantasy players. We did just briefly mention Josh Allen, the undisputed QB one over the last two years. Uh, his ADP is currently uh, at at eighteenth overall. I mean, he's the guy's nearly a lock for five hundred five five thousand yards and. Over thirty plus, over thirty five plus touchdowns um, each and every year. He's always top five in pass attempts, deep ball attempts. Uh, he he passed the most in the red zone. He was first in red zone attempts. Uh, he was second in fantasy points per drop back, first in fantasy points per game, and expected fantasy points per game. <laughs> so, so, so he was expected to be number one, and he delivered on being number one in fantasy points per game. Um, and on top of that, he he gives you a, a a very solid rushing floor and rushing ceiling. You know he's he's tenth in the league in rushing touchdowns since coming into the league in 2018. So and he's top three 
in all advanced QB met, QB rushing metrics. You know, first in red zone carries, third in third in rushing yards, yards per game, TDs and carries overall. So like, there's really not much to to really say about Josh Allen. He's just um, he's just a stud. He's a lock for to be the number one quarterback again. I don't really see see that changing. Uh, Justin Herbert could challenge him. Maybe Lamar Jackson can turn back the clock. I, I think Patrick Mahomes may take a step back because he doesn't have Tyreek Hill, and mm-hmm. he has a lot of middling a lot of middling weapons um, in Kansas City um, outside of Travis Kelsey. So uh, I think Josh Allen is 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 another lock to for you know for another top uh, quarterback season. Any thoughts on that? I don't have much to add statistically. I just think he is the, probably the safest asset in Superflex leagues. And, uh, you know, I'm doing a lot of mock drafts right now for the Scott Fishbowl that's coming up this summer. And I want the 101 because I want Josh Allen. Yeah, man. Um, like you said, he is the he is the number one. Um, I don't blame anybody for taking him at 18 overall in your, in your redrafts. I know for me, I don't like taking quarterbacks that early. Uh, I'd rather spend on a different position, but I don't blame you because – I mean, he, he's uh, he's Konami code, so. Yeah. Uh, next, going to the running back room, we'll start with Devin Singletary. Uh, well, the running back room is Devin Singletary and James Cook, basically, and they're both going a spot away, you know, uh, you know, a one spot away from each other, RB34, RB35. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know, Devin Singletary, he had a pretty solid stretch over the last five weeks of 2021. He was the RB14, RB7, RB10, RB5, RB3 over the last five weeks. But he only still he still only finished as the RB thirty one because he didn't really offer too much in the passing game, and you know that that's that's one thing that Buffalo really tipped their hand this offseason as to what they wanted to upgrade and what they wanted to improve. They flirted with JD McKissick because they wanted to sign a pass catching back, and they ended up drafting James Cook in the second round because guess what? He's a passing down He's he is a a pretty damn good receiving back. I think according to uh, you know, Pro Football Focus, you know coming out of you know, since 2020, he had an 87.2 uh, re- receiving grade, um, and that was best, you know, the best amongst all running backs since 2020. And so, you know, James Cook is 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 relatively solid, but you know, Devin Singletary as receiver, you know, he was only he only had an eight percent target share, which was 31st, 5.7 yards per reception, which is 30th, less than a yard per route run, which is 31st, so 0.8. Um, his targets per route run over the last three years, 13, 15, and 14 percent. Um, that that's below the NFL average according to PFF. So, um, but in general, the the Bills running backs typically don't get a ton of targets. But hey, they again they tipped their hand as to what they wanted to do. They wanted to add a pass catching back, and that's what they did. So, what are your thoughts on this backfield and what what to expect out of them? <laughs> I think for me in redraft, if I went running back early so I have some studs, then I'm more prone to get Singletary because I want a safer kind of backup type guy. If I went zero RB or late RB, then I'm going for Cook for the upside because receiving game, that's just that's electric in the draft capitals, for sure appealing for a team like the Buffalo Bills. Yep, I definitely agree with your, with your, your take there. Um, you know, it's just kind of – it's kind of disappointing because I know David Signatary, I, I had high hopes for him. You know, he's a smaller back. You would have already assumed that he could catch the ball because he kind of did that at Louisiana Tech. But it just it just sucks that to see that he can't even – he can't catch the ball. He's just been relegated to first and second down work. And then you got James Cook, 
taking all the receiving down work. And I mean, for him to take all that, he could potentially see like off the off the gate like seventy targets for a rookie rookie running back. And then he's gonna spell. He's probably gonna spell Singletary, so he could be in line for at least a hundred touches mm-hmm. off the off the off the cuff. So um, I definitely want a piece of Cook if I'm playing best ball for sure. Um, if he's there around the tenth, eleventh round, and I have two bell cows, then he'll definitely be someone I'll be looking at the draft also. So, yeah, um, the the only thing that's you know that's that's saving you know Devin Singletary is the fact that he's he's pretty good as pretty good as a runner, seventh in breakaway run rate, thirteenth in juke rate, innovative tackles, and he's fifth in break in total breakaway runs. So he he he's he's actually a good between the tackles runner, but. You know, James Cook is, is overall more explosive and a better receiver, and he should, he may just end up taking taking that backfield towards the you know the latter half of the year, which we often see rookies do. You know, over the last several years, especially you know Jonathan Taylor and all those other you know DeAndre Swift and all these other uh, you know all these other guys. So we'll 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 see how that that shakes out. But you know, to you guys' point, I, I like the upside of James Cook a little bit more than um, Devin Singletary. And then on to the receiver room. Uh, this is this is a good one. Uh, that starts with Stephon Diggs, the NFL target leader over the last two years, over two hundred, you know, two hundred and thirty targets. He's amassed twenty seven hundred yards and eighteen touchdowns in that same span, which is insane. Um, currently going off the board as a wide receiver four. That's basically ninth overall. Perfect spot for him. If I have the one hundred nine, one hundred eight, one hundred seven, you know, maybe one ten. My pick is going to be Diggs. If he's there, I'm taking him. He's you know he's he's as safe as it gets when it comes to you know target volume, pass volume, and in an elite offense um, from an elite quarterback. Um, so in, in in 2021, I mean he he was actually somewhat unlucky. He was second on, in unrealized air yards because you if you remember early in the season, he was he mm-hmm. was uh, he was struggling even though he had all of the all the metrics, all the target share, but. They, him and Josh Allen were just weren't connecting early on, and then they just started. They just started clicking towards the end of the season. He still finished with over 100 catches, over 1,200 yards, and double digit touchdowns, and so uh, or nine touchdowns. So it was just, it, it's just, it's just amazing to see. And he was 47th in tar- in target quality rating. So just better quality targets next year uh, or this year. Um, you know, coupled with just the the, the insane volume that he's going to continue to see, uh, it's just going to be another another. You know, an, another elite wide receiver one year from Stephon Diggs. He's a stud. Love Diggs. Very, very good football player. Uh, I want him in all different formats. Uh, apparently, the only thing I don't want him to do is date my sister. Apparently. Uh, did you guys see that video? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Apparently, you don't want him dating your sister. No. What, what, but what, I do what want him to be my wide receiver one. Uh, so they asked everyone in the Minnesota Vikings locker room, who would you want to see your sister with the least? And everyone's like, Oh man, Stefan Diggs. It's Diggs. Oh my it's goodness! <laughs> all around the day, <laughs> and then they yeah. said it to him, and he was like, he said it with the biggest smile. He's like, "Me? Why?" Like, "Oh, okay." What about yeah, Diggs? Yeah. Got it like that, I guess. Yeah, he's like, "Man, I'm a nice guy. Why? Why wouldn't you want me to date your sister?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, like, what Diggs? No. <laughs> yeah. All right. So next, uh, we obviously talked about Gabriel Davis already. Just wide receiver twenty four, going at, you know the five hundred eight round pick fifty. Um, but I think that's you know, again. That's, I think that's a decent spot for him. For for me, I, I know that I know the hype train is it, it can it can lean a little overrated. But 
I, I would take him over some guys, especially like, you know, for instance, Jerry Judy, like I mentioned, I'd definitely take him over him. And so, yeah, but Gary Bill Davis, he's in a good spot. Jameson Crowder going wide receiver 63. So that's the 11th, the end of the 11th round. He has more upside than we're being led to believe. Again, he's the, he's the slot receiver in a pass happy offense. And he, he'll, I think he'll, he'll be better than Cole Beasley was in that role. Cole Beasley got some targets. He got, he got quite a few targets in that role. So I think there's going to be some pass volume to go around and, and Jameson Crowder could, could stand to benefit. Um, what do you guys think about him? I like Jameson Crowder. I've, al- I've always liked him. I think he's a really good slot receiver. He just always hurt. That's just flat out what it is. He's always hurt. Um, but when he, if he given the opportunity, I mean, we saw what Beasley did when he was in slot, and Crowder can definitely do that. So I like, I like the range for Jamison. Um, I like the the potential that he can do in this offense. Um, I'll be looking to draft him for sure. Yeah, he's definitely a good late dart throw for sure. Uh, he's professional. He, he's PPR leagues. He should see a little bit of volume. But uh, you know, I'm I'm not super excited if I if I come out of any draft and I'm relying on him. But, you know, throwing him in the back of my roster, I'm in. Yep. And then finally, uh, to the tight end room, uh, Dawson Knox. Uh, the, I believe he's currently going off the board as a tight end 9 or tight end 10. I think that's I think that's appropriate for him, right? Tight end, tight end 9. Yeah, tight end 9. So, you know, mm-hmm. towards the back half of the ninth round. Finished last year with nine, you know, nine touchdowns. Had 71 targets, a career high 71 targets. Um, he was pretty efficient with you know when he, when he touched the when he touched the rock. He was number five in deep targets, number four in red zone targets. So Josh Allen, the the, the most pass happy quarterback in the red zone, was targeting Dawson Knox pretty frequently, and he was getting a lot of those uh, a, a lot of those easy easy touchdowns. Um, he was number eight in routes run, had a snap share of eighty six percent. So that's number four in the NFL. So he was on the field all the time. Which is what you like to see from a tight end, just to be on the field. Um, but in terms of him having a almost damn near twenty percent touchdown rate, I think that's going to regress a little bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's got yeah. right. That, yeah. That's gonna, that's going to regress a little bit. But I I've always liked Dawson Knox, um, a tight end. But 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 again, like we talked about, waiting for tight ends is usually usually a good strategy. I I don't foresee myself having that many shares of Dawson Knox this this summer because mm-hmm. of where he's being drafted and there's other guys that I would rather have in that range. And so uh but what do you got what are you guys' thoughts on Dawson? Yeah for me he's about the same as Hunter Henry. He had a lot of he was really touch on dependent when when it comes down to it for his fantasy points. Um I mean he only had 49 receptions for 587 yards. That's that's kind of low for somebody mm-hmm. that for someone that's being drafted in top top ten top tight ends, I, I I need a lot more than just that, honestly. But again, he's in that range where after like your top six or seven, like all these tight ends are the same. It's just really like who's going to score you the most touchdowns. So if you're waiting for one of these tight ends, then Dawson Knox is somebody you want to look at because I mean Josh Josh Allen looked at him a lot when they got around that red zone area. So. I don't see myself getting a lot of Dawson Knox and redraft. I got to be honest. In the range where he's going, give me Zach yeah. Ertz, give me David Ajoku. And then if I want to wait, I'm good with Cole Komet, Alan, uh, Alberto. So it just, again, would I pick him up off waivers if he, like, you know, kind of flutters in the first half of the season and he kind of gets thrown out there in a good matchup? Sure. But 
uh, I think in the range he's getting drafted, uh, probably won't come out of many drafts with Dawson Knox. Yeah, he's he's like in this this new tight end dead zone area where the, there's like literally there's like ten of them. They're all like the same. <laughs> yeah, just all the same. Like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> Um, who ha- who's yeah. playing the, the 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 best matchup? Who has basically? You know, who is that's all you're kind of depending on all of these guys, except basically. for a guy like Cole Komet. He does flash, but you know, I, you guys talk about him in another episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cole Komet yeah. is the number two in his offense, so we I, I I like I like his chances more than a lot of these other these uh other tight ends. So, but yeah, that's the AFC East. You know, uh, we appreciate Matt again coming on. You know, blessing blessing the a the airwaves. You know, and you know, running it back. We had had to get you on since you had us on first. It was only right that we get you on. Uh, maybe next time we'll get Jones to join to join us to make it a, a yeah a, you know, a two on two type of thing. Especially during um, the season, when we when yeah. we already got shit popping off. So that'd be that's love cool. it. Yeah. We would love it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, again, you no, know, Matt. Go ahead and tell the people where they can find you, what you got going on in, in the fantasy space. So you can find me on Twitter at Matty Kiewel. Uh The show, the Twitter, the show we talked about, Kiwoman Jones at Kiwoman Jones. We're going to be getting going very, very shortly uh, for season two. We're very excited. We're excited to have you guys on sometime uh, during the season. And, and you can find us on TikTok at Kiwoman Jones. Okay. Yeah. 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 Definitely get us on there. I know Jones is busy with 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 base, baseball betting. So oh, I'm sure he's a betting <laughs> man. That guy. He's yeah. Very knowledgeable. But he's a betting man. He definitely is. Um, but again, we appreciate you coming on and you know talking to AFC East uh, fantasy players for this coming season. Ike, you got anything for us before we get up out of here? No, nah, this is a dope episode. Once again, Matt, appreciate you jumping on with us. Uh, you know, please follow us on Twitter at Off the Line FF. Follow Gene at Fantasy Jeans. Follow me at Just underscore Ico Nine. And anywhere you find your podcast, like, subscribe, rate, review, share with your share with your friends, uh, share with everybody that you love. Um, but yeah, we appreciate the love, appreciate the support. Yeah, appreciate y'all. All right, until you know next time, we 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 won't be back next week, but the week after we'll be back. Y'all be safe. Peace.